Welcome to Spike's Podcast, where we reflect on the joy of running amidst the joy of life. Colors play, colors make my Good afternoon, my fellow travellers. Welcome to another episode of Spike's. So soon, so soon, you say. Well, there is a reason. Um, it's simply this. Uh, the last two episodes have featured Honest Jim and his travels and travails. At the same time, I had um, I had a, a recording dropped in from David Foss, and um, David reflected on his Boston Marathon experience this year. Told I felt I had to let Jim's story run through, and it was quite a long story, so I didn't want to confuse things by by running two stories in parallel. So I hope David will forgive me for delaying slightly on publication of his um, his recording. But today, I invite you to um, to listen into that in, in just a moment or two. Let me update you with myself. You can tell from my ease of breathing that uh, I'm not running today. Uh, in fact, I'm taking a short break. Um, what Wednesday this week just gone. It's now Sunday, um, so Wednesday just gone. Uh, I had to have a small piece of surgery on my neck just to remove a lesion, um, which the dermatologist thinks is probably a basal cell carcinoma. So the uh, more, what should we say, well, the less threatening of um, of the skin tumours. So. Um, that's a way for histology just to check that out. But the main thing is, of course, is that I've now had a, uh, a minor surgery on my neck and, and that's been stitched up and I'm just waiting for that to heal and recover. Um, I'm awfully tempted to go out running because I just miss running so much, but uh, I also know that you've got to give time for wounds to heal up a wee bit and, and get them all sweaty and, and moist. It's not a, not a great healing process. So. Um, We'll see how that goes. After about a week or so, I think I'll probably get out again. So, middle of this week coming up, I should be out running. Um, other news, um, well, age continues to take its toll. So, um, the latest addition to my equipment is a set of hearing aids. Um, it's not that I need them for, for hearing every last thing. Um, my problem is that having worked for several years um, in the aviation industry and uh, as an aircraft engineer, my um, my top end hearing has really been rather shot away. I think by close proximity to jet engines, um, albeit I used to try and wear ear protection when, at all times. But you know, you're still very close by these things. They're very high high tone of um, noise, and uh, I'm not, as you can immediately tell, I'm not an expert on audiology. But I just kind of feel that that's likely to have been the cause of my slight hearing loss. And the problem I have is that um, if I'm, uh, well, a if I'm in a, a small meeting, and often I'm meeting with families to discuss um, ceremony arrangements, you know, if there are two or three people in the room and they're talking across the room. It's, it's difficult for me to pick up the subtleties and the nuances of what I'm hearing. So, um, so I, I have it for that for that professional reason, and also, um, you know, once I got them fitted, I turned to Gina and said, "Well, you don't need to shout, you know, because she'd of course been been adjusting her conversation with me by." By increasing the volume, and I, she'd kind of noticed much more than I had. But um, anyway, got those wearing those at the moment, um, and yeah, they're pretty effective. I'm I'm very happy with with what they 
um, enabled me to achieve again now. So, um, you know, I'm happy to take any aids along that will, will assist in, in this journey through life. So that's, that's the latest for me. Um, other than that, life continues. Um, quite a lot of motorcycling going on. Um, as, uh, taking a short break from my running, but other than that, that was, was and is going well. Um, still doing a lot of treadmill work. I don't know what it is about this year that I've, well, I, I say I don't know. I think I've said before, I think I'm protecting my joints as much as anything. And I just feel that if I run on the treadmill, I, I just don't get as fatigued in my joints afterwards. Um, and also, as I've s said many times, I, I like the discipline of the, the structure of being able to run very specific efforts and sets and, um, and recovery times. Um, I like the hill work, I like the speed work, so all of that feeds into me using the treadmill. It's just it's a bit odd when the weather is so glorious um, that, that I'm kind of putting myself in my shed in the garden and going on, a, on the treadmill when the sun's shining. But, that's just where I feel comfortable at the moment. Um, and on that very point, uh, this week, a pair of Kinvara, Sockety Kinvara 3s that I've had for a little while, um, went through 1,000 miles of usage. And uh, that was achieved the last 100 miles I've been using those as my treadmill running shoes. The main reason is the um, uh, my toes. I wear through the sole around my toes on both feet now with um, with arthritis in my toes. So um, so rather than wear them out, you know, being out on a long run one day and finding oh cracking my toes hurting because I've now worn right through and I'm running directly in contact with the ground with my toe. Well, if that happens on the treadmill, I can simply stop the treadmill and say that's it. I've finished for the day. Whereas if I'm three four miles away from home of course that's a slightly trickier proposition so yes that's uh, i was really pleased to see those shoes get so far because um i've i've long held that running shoes wear out too quickly um i think they should be have more more life in them in terms of the soul and that and i know that many people will tell you you should change them so the cushioning is is um, kept fresh well you know i'm quite happy to run on pretty much zero cushioning so that's not something that troubles me <laughs> now you're going to say well no wonder your joints ache when you're running on the road because you haven't got any cushioning well my counter to that is that I did um did try hokers you know I thought well everybody's telling me how good the hokers are and I bought a pair and, and yes I love walking in them but when I ran I felt they really jiggered my knee up the cushioning was just too too much for me I think I've spent so many years running without cushioning that um it had an adverse effect for me. So so I'm not so desperately keen to change my running shoes frequently. Okay, well that's me wittering on. Um, other than that, I think just to say, um, it's, it's been a reasonably pleasant summer in the UK so far. Um, we have our general election for our government coming up next week. We've had a couple of terrorist incidents, as, as people know. Um, I'm loath to talk about them. I don't want, there's enough publicity for this stuff goes on and, um, and you know it is just horrible but hey they didn't get to defeat us so it's it's rather pointless in many ways um, just so sad that it it causes such grief and misery and 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 I do know you know that in other parts of the world um, people of all faiths and cultures are being killed by I should say their fellow man. It seems a wrong term to use when we think about people who inflict these things. But there we go. It's, um, we're a strange animal, aren't we? 
that we want to cause such suffering to each other when the vast majority of people that I know seem to be far more concerned with caring for each other and loving each other and taking care of each other and just treading lightly as we go through well greater minds than mine have struggled to understand this and um, and I'm not going to suggest for a moment I can okay um, I'm now getting somewhat philosophical and um, and that's never a good thing with me because I'm not very well grounded in it I just have my own thoughts and that's about it but what I can do I think more sensibly is uh, is hand you over to, to Dave so over to you Dave want to go for a walk all right let's go well hello this is just plain Dave and it is May Day May 1st and what a nice day it has turned out to be started out gray and misty which is good because we just put grass seed down in part of the yard and misty and moist is good for getting grass seed nice and wet so when the sun comes out it wants to germinate um but then the weather cleared and got warmer and although warmer i think was like 55 degrees it was sunny and dry which was absolutely perfect for spectating at a high school softball game so i am not complaining when the weather is starts out gray ends up sunny and I can get by with a windbreaker. So. It is May. Holy cow, April was full and busy and crazy and hectic. And uh, I am out for a walk with my canine because I think I have either run or biked four days in a row. Went for a bike ride on Sunday and uh, didn't go far, didn't go fast. Didn't go far or fast, but I was sluggish. My legs were tired. I definitely had taken everything out of the bank. Whatever I had deposited had been was withdrawn. I had used all my energy. So it was nice. It was a leisurely bike ride. I have a a friend whose children are the exact same age as my children. So a high school junior and a high school freshman. Though the genders are swapped. And uh, so we could talk about the things that parents of 15 and 17 year olds talk about sports and school and grades and AP tests and trying out for the for the elite acapella singing group and trying out for the um, or submitting a portfolio for the studio art program so we, we have children who are doing all of the above at the same time uh, it's very very interesting I um I guess as I my my thought if I had an overriding theme as I thought about recording a podcast it was the uh the Rolling Stones song that you you can't always get what you want but you get what you need and if I was talented in any way I would figure out a way to get a snippet of that song and insert it right here or if I was as musically talented as my children I would just sing you guys a line but I'm not going to do it I know I'm not musically talented and I know it's the idea more than the music that matters and so you can't always get what you want but you get what you need oh god bless my neighbor's dogs we're going to walk right by them Abby and they're going to bark away so I've had a handful of people ask me about my Boston Marathon experience, and I thought I would record 
a, a short version of the tale. Um, the very short version is what a wild and magical experience to have a half million people cheering for you. And if you wear a shirt with your name on it, you get personalized support and cheers. And uh, what a great thing. It was really, really unbelievable. I owe a great big debt of, a debt of gratitude to my friend Sean for helping shuttle me to the starting area in Hopkinton, Massachusetts. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we're walking by the neighbor's house. They have two dogs. And one, one dog's a little bit bigger than the other one. And uh, with a big one's name, hey, Joe. The big one's name is Hank. And the little one, I don't know its name, so I just refer to it as Little Hank because they're both gray. But they're not even the same breed. That's like demonstrating my complete lack of knowledge about dogs. And uh, so anyway, we just walked by Big Hank and Little Hank. I guess I could call it Hank Jr. That would even be a little more apropos in the musical genre of this podcast. So anyway, Boston's magical. Thank you, Sean, for helping shuttle me around. Thank you to Chris and your family for coming and cheering me on in Wellesley. And my dad and stepmom were cheering me on slightly more easterly in Wellesley. And then Sean and Bob were in Newton. They were uh, up at the crest of Heartbreak Hill, just past Heartbreak Hill, at the, as we passed Boston College, where you have six miles, about, about six miles left. You get six miles left. You get a 10K of downhill and flat. And if you train properly, that's when you get to kick into high gear and race out your race. And I got, this is the, you can't, you get what you need. I got exactly what I deserved out of my marathon. So I looked at my training logs and as I looked at, like in previous training cycles, I did really high quality mileage, like lots of speed work and mile repeats and lots of intervals. And then I'd, you know, blast out a handful of greater than 20 mile now, 20 mile runs. And this time I got exactly what I deserved. I, uh, I did one run that was greater than 20 miles. All my long runs averaged around nine-minute pace. And, uh, and I barely did any speed work. I just did enough to act like I'm a marathoner. And so when I finished and had an average pace of 8.55, I, I looked at him like, you know what? That is exactly the run that I trained for. Like, you know, I didn't train for faster. I didn't train for longer. I trained to be able to finish a marathon at that pace. And uh, so actually the thing that I'm most proud of is finishing at that pace in spite of the weather. Like it was really warm and dry. It was up in the around 72, I think, but sunny and dry and, you know, less than ideal. I don't know anyone who had a PR that day. That was, it was not a day for PR. It was, um, it was, you know, it was, uh, and even the elites, like the winning times for the, both the elite men and elite women were like three to five minutes slower um, than, than previous and, or no, I'll say kind of more typical Boston finishing times. So it was, uh, it was not a, not a great day to try to run fast. It was a great day to have fun and enjoy it. And, uh, and the other observation I have is that, um, that me getting injured in January. So having that injury to my foot where I had suspected a stress fracture, um, but I'm in hindsight, it's probably, I'm going to have to push pause for a second.
well, that was an interesting interaction. Those neighbor's dogs are usually smart enough to stay in the yard. That is Odin, who is the most handsome husky, and Sadie, who is a black lab mix. And Sadie's been hit by a car once, so she ought to learn to not run out into the street. But, uh, but me walking up, probably both a combination of walking with my dog and talking to myself on that recorder, probably made the dogs a little more curious, and they came bolting out at full bark to say hello and do a little bit of friendly sniffing. And since I know their names, they behave when I say stop. So before I was so friendly and interrupted by my neighbor's dogs, I was saying how I think one of the best things that happened to me was getting injured in January. So, um, oh yeah, so I said it was, we don't think it was a stress fracture, though it's a slight chance of that. Um, it was probably an acute plantar fasciitis. Man, it was a sharp pain in one spot at the bottom of my foot, but it, it sure hurt. Anyway, so in hindsight, it's the best thing that happened to me this winter, because by having that happen, I did not go all out and train for speed. Like, I can't imagine how many hours I saved by doing, I'll call it my slacker training program. You know, I still worked up to, uh, I think my high mileage month was, or my high mileage week was 45 miles plus or minus. So a bunch of mileage in high, low, high 30s, low 40s, 145 mile week. And uh, so imagine the time I saved by not doing a bunch of 50 to 55 mile weeks and not going out and just beating myself up with speed work because I could have done all that work and it still would have been a hot, dry, challenging day for the Boston Marathon. And so by getting injured, I, one, saved myself a little bit of time this winter by not training so much, and two, totally took the pressure off myself for trying to run fast. And so I just ran the fun race that I wanted to run, Um, which meant when I saw my friends on the side of the road, I would pull over and stop for a picture and give a sweaty hug and see how everybody was. And, uh, and when I was, and I carried my handheld water bottle, which I refilled five times, which, uh, which just proves that it was, it was hot out. Like that's a lot of water. And I also, at every, every time I refilled my water bottle, I would grab a cup, take a sip and pour the rest of it on my head. Um, and every time there was a misting station or a hydrant cracked and spraying water across the road, I did the full bore, like get myself wet. Um, and twice during the run, when there were people on the side of the road with bags of ice, I took a small handful of ice and put that inside my baseball cap and let the ice melt down my head and neck. So I did all those things that you do to manage both hydration and temperature. And, uh, and it worked fine. Like I really had no real negative repercussions. The only, my only injury was a, a, a blister on a toe on my left foot, um, really minor on the side of the toe. Um, and it's directly attributable to one of those fire hydrants where I went running through and that big spray of water felt so good, making my torso all wet. And then I stepped right in a puddle and not, not a small puddle, a big enough puddle that my left foot was pretty darn wet around mile 16. And, uh, it probably dried out before the race ended, but, but, uh, I, I didn't, had planned on having wet feet when I, when I left for the day. Um, but so by getting injured, I could totally change my approach and go with my new goal, which was, which my goal all along, I had stated all along, I want to go and have fun and enjoy the, the mystique that is the Boston Marathon. Um, but I totally did that. Like I, I am 
so happy with my slowest road marathon ever. You know, like I can, I can run a road marathon a little bit faster than that, but it didn't matter. It was about going and having fun and seeing people. And I don't know if anyone saw, there's an article that was in both, uh, both the runner's world and, uh, Boston globe, like boston.com. They had this article about this guy who ran as a caveman. He called his, his website and his persona is barefoot caveman runner or something like that, but barefoot caveman. And, uh, He's a 50-year-old guy, and he passed me probably in the mile 7 or 8 range. doesn't really matter exactly. Um, he finished in 3 hours and 40 minutes, so 15 minutes ahead of me. But he, so he literally ran barefoot, and the only piece of clothing he had on was like a, uh, a, a very small kind of thing you wear around your crotch like like from behind it looked just like a jock strap from the front i guess well in the front i which i didn't see because he passed me so from the front apparently you could just see his number and it was like a a little bit more than the thong um but he apparently has kind of crafted this thing so that it's pretty secure because it'd be embarrassing to lose your only six inches of covered material covering your body um but he's got you know cool shoulder length black hair or cool if you're a caveman um but what a crazy character and, uh, and in Athlete's Village, I crossed paths with Doug Flutie, and I was that goofy homeboy who says, Hey, Doug Flutie, have a great race, as opposed to just saying, Hey, have a good day. Um, um, I did not see any other famous people, um, though a friend of mine did get to run with Catherine Switzer, which is cool, for a little bit. I think she passed him at one point. Um, but it was just so amazing, like having a half a million people cheering for you, and there are fan support in every town. And the, uh, the energy and excitement is awesome. And, and when it was 72 degrees and sunny, it was the best day ever to be a spectator. You know, not too warm, not too cool, uh, no risk of rain. Um, it, was, it was a great day to spectate at the Boston Marathon. And the crowd was absolutely awesome. And actually, in two places, even when the crowd was pretty dense, I saw other people who I knew that I didn't know were going to be at the marathon course. So there's a woman named Carol in Framingham, who is a business associate of mine, and I bet I've known her for 20 years. And as I'm running just around mile six, I hear, Hey, Dave Foss! And, you know, she actually has kind of a scratchy voice like that. I look over, I'm like, Hey, Carol, how are you doing? And then even more surprising, um, I have a friend named Amy, and I didn't even know if she was in the Boston area these days, but in Kenmore Square, so right after the Red Sox game gets out, it is packed. The, 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 sta- the people on the side of the road there, it's got to be 20 or more people deep on both sides. It's just packed. And, um, and, you know, as I'm going through Kenmore Square, I hear someone say, Hey, Dave Foss! And it was my friend Amy Wilson, which is pretty darn cool. Neat, neat to see. And actually, there is one where, surprisingly, I actually could pick her face out in the crowd. Like, it's hard to know where to look when you're at mile 24. Not a lot of energy left in the, in the tank at that point. But, uh, but I picked her out of the crowd, which was cool. Anyway, it was just amazing. And it is so cool. And the, all the runners are kind of going around the same pace. And so, um, you know, you're, you're slotted in by your qualifying time. And so my qualifying, like my bib number was 10667. So call me in the between 10,000 and 11,000 fastest people that qualified. And I think I finished in the 14,000 range. So, you know, 
3,000 people got to finish, finish faster than me. So that, you know, that's me just taking it, taking it back a notch. And, uh, but that's the other thing is, so I ran a 354, so well, comfortably under four hours and 14,000 people were faster than me. That is a really cool thing. Like it's, it's neat. That's, that's a cool elite race. I'm, I'm kind of proud to have run it and proud to have been a part of it. Um, but so one of the other highlights of my day, so the, the, the low light of the day is post-finish line. It is a conveyor belt. They're just trying to keep runners moving so they don't have a traffic jam at the, um, at, at the, at the finish area. And so in order to not have a traffic jam, like they hand you a bottle of water, then they hand you your medal, and then they hand you a bag of food, and they hand you a space blanket. And, you know, I always thought, I'd never need a space blanket. I've never needed one before. I was so grateful to have that space blanket because they, they, you turn a corner into the family waiting area and I did not have anyone waiting for me there. So I'm by myself. And, and so the reason there's a negative about this is that I just wanted a place to sit down and eat. Like, you know, I had just been exercising for four hours and had been sitting on the, in the field of athletes village for a while and I'm starving. I just need food. And I have food in my hand. Like I have a banana and apple and some chips and whatever's in that little food bag they hand you which was plenty. That's exactly what I needed. I just needed 12 inches of curb to sit down on, but they have it set. So there's just no place to sit. Like you got to keep moving. So you turn the corner into this family reception area, which is on Stewart street. And it is a wind tunnel and the temperature drops. Like you're in the shadow of tall buildings. The wind is just howling through there. And I was freezing and I'm sitting in this crowd of other like pale, sweaty, freezing people just trying to eat. And uh, I sat down right next to, right next to a, a sign where there was like one of the official photographers taking people, pictures of people, and it, it's very interesting. You're catching them at their like, you know, absolute worst. They're like two minutes post marathon, and the photographer's like, "Smile, hold up your medal," and they're all, everyone's looking pretty darn miserable. Um, so anyway, I did just find a piece of curb, sat down, ate enough, and then. Uh, and then shuffled my way through an amazingly huge crowd um, to get to the Marriott Hotel in Copley because a friend, Chris, who's running club, gets a hotel room every year. And they had about 10 runners do the race. Um, and Chris has, had hoped to requalify, but he also um, fell a little bit short because he realized it was going to be a hot day and he made the same decision I did, but except... He worked his ass off and trained all spring, and I slacked and trained easy. Anyway, so went back to their hotel room, and, like, maybe I had to wait ten minutes to take a shower, and I think I waited five minutes for the massage therapist, which is the first time I've ever had a massage. And, oh my gosh, what a good idea. This I should... <laughs> I have learned something new. When someone offers you a massage post-race, you should take that opportunity. Um, it was great, and my post-race kind of muscle soreness and cramping were absolutely minimized by by that. But also hanging out, having a cold beverage and some food and talking about the marathon with 10 or 12 other people and their friends um, who just are in a running club is really fun. So that way when you get home, you don't have to sell the same stories to all your friends and your family. So I think by going to that hotel room, I get to take a shower, I get to get dressed in dry clothes, I got a massage, and I got all my marathon stories out of my system, 
So when I finally got home, people were like, hey, how was it? And I could, I could give them the 20 words or less version as opposed to the, oh, you got to hear about this and you got to hear about the caveman and you got to hear about Athlete's Village and you got to hear about blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I'm recording this once so that I share the tale. I am glad to tell it, but I, uh, I, um, I also know that I don't want to have to, <laughs> I don't want people to have to feel like they're listening to it over and over and over. So getting together with the Squanacook River Runners was a great thing. It was a very, very nice way to, uh, to finish the day. And then, uh, then since I was right at Copley Square, I hopped on the commuter rail at Back Bay, took the commuter rail out to my car. And if you're wearing a Boston Marathon finisher's medal, the train is free, which is nice. So for $4 of parking, because Sean hooked me up with a ride, that was my whole transit cost for the day. My whole, uh, whole logistics were... Oh, and I, I did tip the massage therapist 20 bucks. So $24 got on the day of got me plenty of food, plenty of drinks, parking, train, ride to and from. It was a pretty good day. I think that, that's a pretty efficient use of $24 right there. Um, let's see. Yeah, so... I think I got what I deserved, and I was also having this dilemma about whether I should buy a Boston Marathon jacket, like Windbreaker, because it's something, like, the, the selfish per- part of me was thinking, I've always kind of admired those, and I like it, and it's neat, and it would be cool to have, but it's also a little snobby, like, it's also like a, hey, look what I got. So I was going back and forth as to whether I should get a Boston Marathon jacket. And at the race expo, um, they were 110 bucks. And I was like, God, you know, I, I was, it's more of a, I guess I wasn't sure if it was a money thing. I can afford a jacket if I want to buy one. Um, but it was kind of the, the ethics of, do I need a jacket that kind of says, hey, I'm a Boston Marathon runner. And so, and then they have also the photographs and things like that. And I got to tell you, there's dozens of, or more, at least about a dozen photos taken of me by the professional photo crew that does it and wants to sell you the pictures. There's not one good photo of me. It's like there, I have no temptation to spend a dollar on a photograph that they took. There's just nothing there. But if you wait two weeks after the marathon, Adidas sends out an email that says, marathon jackets, half price. (laughs) So I'm like, you know what? I can spend $55 on, on a marathon jacket. And just wear it when I want to wear it and try not to be that guy who, you know, wears it to every race to look like he's a hot shot. Because I'm not a hot shot. I just did something cool and I decided that would be my souvenir. My, my thing to keep in the memory box. So, I have no races in my calendar. Actually, no, I'm lying. I just, it just occurred to me. My company helped sponsor a 5K race. So, this Sunday, I'm going to go run a 5K in Buzzards Bay. And uh, Buzzards Bay, Massachusetts. I have no idea how fast it run a 5K. I have not trained for speed since 2015. Now, I know I can run three miles. I know I can run one mile fast if I needed to. I'm just not sure I can put together three miles fast. So, uh, so we'll see. If I, uh, I, I don't think I'm going to go for PR. That's actually physically not possible. But I, uh, I may try to do well in the crowd of old guys. It's called the Flipper and Fins 5K. I think it, it uh, is a fundraiser for some local either aquarium or something like that. I've, I really have no idea. But my company sponsors, contributed to it, and they got a handful of free registrations. And I'm like, ah, you know what? It's hard to pay for a 5K, but if it's free and there's nice folks and it's for charity, then what the heck? I can go do that. So on Sunday, I'm going to run a 5K. Um, 
But other than that, I have no races in my training calendar. So I think I've got to, I've got to think about it. I've got to put something in there. Um, I think Sean is doing a couple of triathlons this summer. And, uh, and then my friend Ken that I did a social bike ride with on Sunday um, is going to try to do a 100-mile bike ride in September. So I might do that. I've done that one once before. Um, anyway, so I guess in the you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. I've got to figure out what I want and uh, pick a new target and try to aim for it. So with that, I think I have told my marathon tale. I'll be glad to connect with people over a pint of something cold and share a few more stories. But for now, I think this is Just Plain Dave signing off in southeastern Massachusetts. Run with joy, happy trails, and if you have a chance, take your canine out for a walk.